Hey, 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 hey. Thanks for listening to Elton Reads a Book a Week. This is the only podcast in the world that does for books what good script writing does for porn, which is absolutely nothing. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. I am your host, Elton, and I read a book a week. This week's book is called Christmas. Christ- Christmas. I always feel like I'm saying that wrong. Christmas with Ed Sullivan. I found it crammed between a mountain of incomplete Fifty Shades of Grey sets and way, way, way too many teen vampire novels. I mean, there's a goddamn lot of them. Uh, this book is a gripping tale of heartbreak, lighthearted whimsy, and a young misguided shopkeeper's effort to find a lovelorn Satan, a nice girl who likes to boil babies just as much as he does. Okay, it's not that. It's a collection of Christmas stories written by Ed Sullivan and his friends. What else would it be, really? It's not a bad book. It's... I had a hard time putting this one together. It's... It's Christmas shit, man. I mean, Christmas... It's just Christmas stuff. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's your standard Christmas fare, which I think is a little played out as far as subject matter goes. You know, I mean, when it comes to doing things like this, I mean, what angle do I play that hasn't been played out a thousand times before? Right. I mean, Christmas is pretty easy and predictable. You start with a hardship. You know, kids are going to lose something, a, an orphanage. They're going to they're going to all be homeless on Christmas. And there's some evil prick that wants to make that happen for some reason because it's always a really really flimsy reason too like real estate at during christmas anyway you know you work out a woe is me story to back that whole thing and then you bring in a rough and tumble local hero that's like eh, i want to help him but i don't want to help him and then you bring in a nice girl to convince him to and then uh they rally the townsfolk and everyone saves the day and, and then everyone's happy and they all exchange gifts and then you slap a Santa in there somewhere and you're done. I mean, jab a fork in its ass. That's basically this book, more or less. So I thought, hey, why don't I, why don't I regale a kid, or maybe kids, with tales from Ed Sullivan and his gang? I think that's what this book was for. It's for people to read on Christmas Eve like Chevy Chase did in National Lampoon's Vacation, Christmas Vacation. And, uh, you know, when he does The Night Before Christmas, and then uh, Eddie brings the boss in. You know what I'm talking about. Look, you're thinking of it right now. He's kicking him in the ass. There's Eddie and the guy in a bow. In front. Eating, you, you get what I'm saying. So, what's better than a bunch of happy Christmas memories written by celebrities and Ed Sullivan reminiscing about anecdotal days gone by and some fiction and, you know, they're surrounded by family, friends, and snow and, a, I mean, a goddamn lot of snow. I mean, a, it's like a it's like a fuck ton of snow. Every story snowing. Except one about the guy that wrote White Christmas. I'll, yeah, I'll get to that one in a little bit. But, I mean, if I'm going to tell kids about the, the stories in this book, I'm going to have to, you know, name drop the celebrities. And none of the celebrities are current. You know, I'd, I'd spend half the time just explaining who Ed Sullivan is to, uh, but anyway, I thought I'd give it a shot. So I grabbed two kids. I'm not abduct. I did not abduct. I I bribed them, okay? Just to clarify. Who's Ed Sullivan? 
Huh? Ned Sullivan. He's one of the greatest variety show hosts in the history of ever, kid. What's a, what's a variety show? <laughs> a variety show. It's a show that has a lot of different acts of, you know, for entertainment. All, all Like an all-in-one show. There's people singing. There's people acting. Uh, there's a magic show in there somewhere, probably. There's there's animals, little pets, uh, people being funny. Um, it's, it's like all-in-one show. It's all thrown together. It was. Yeah, it, it, and Ed Sullivan was the host of one of, if not the most popular one ever in America for like over 24 years. Because your parents, I guess, I mean, and a lack of proper education, if I had to guess. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, you're short. How about that? You know, I know. I'm just, I'm just frustrated. All right, this is a, it's a nice book. It's, but it's tough not to get sappy. You know, kid, I hate sappy. I've never had a soft spot for Christmas. I mean, a lot of it's a lot of glitz and no glamour. What? What's sappy? What's sappy? Oh, Jesus, fucking. Oh man, are you? You're not dumb. I'm not gonna say dumb. That would, that's gonna play into you saying I'm mean. Okay, look, we're. We're getting off topic here, all right? How about how about we push on, right, with a few stories and get through this together, huh? The book is Christmas with Ed Sullivan. It's a collection of Christmas-related stories written by Ed Sullivan and his friends who contributed all for the joy of storytelling and turning a tidy profit. It's not bad. It's a harmless book that emphasizes the shiny veneer of the 50s and the early 60s you know, predominantly white Christian people, uh, and, and the, when they thought about reminiscing about Christmas time, that's boring. what this book is. Sounds boring. Look, do you want stories or not? Not. Oh, God. Well, look, yeah. I. Yeah. I'm just here for the presents. Look, that sucks. All right. You're doing this before any presents change hands, oh, sucker. Yeah. Well. All right. All right. That's an empty threat. It's an empty threat. Right, but come on, work with me here, man. I'll make you a deal. All right, half hour for ten for ten bucks. Oh, good God! All right, all right, no, 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 no. I will do. I'll do thirteen fifty, and that's it. Thirteen fifty and eggnog, yeah, eggnog. <laughs> eggnog? Sure, sure. You can have as much. Who's as... eggnog? Oh, oh, I see. Look, I don't know, kid. I mean, booze is. No deal. All right, fine. But if you throw up, you've got food poisoning, you little bastard. There's. Well, I mean, I'm glad we have an understanding. What the. All right, story time. Let's start off with a little B and E. That's uh, it's breaking and entering, like uh, like a robber breaking into someone's house. That's in the story. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It's more more or less. It's in the story. Look, there's a lot of people. There's a, there's a lot of talk of people thinking it was all right to break into random houses in this book. It's really strange, especially during snowstorms. And then it's all right to take their stuff too. And then a lot of times you start fires. While you're there. What? 
Yeah, you would think, see, yes, you would think so. But back then, I guess having your car break down in a blizzard miles away from home made it all right to illegally enter other people's houses and then start fires and then use their shit and eat their food. It was the American way. That's what happens in the first, well, in one of the first stories in this book. The story is written by uh, George Zaharias. Zaharias? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But he and his wife, they're driving in a snowstorm. You know, well, they're driving into a snowstorm. Not on purpose. Then they enter a house when no one's home. And they help themselves to that absent owner's food on purpose. Why were they in the, in the snow? Good question. Um, they were 75 miles uh, past Amarillo, Texas, on their way to Pueblo, Colorado, to spend Christmas with his parents. Which to me says, if they can't handle the fucking snow in Texas, they're clearly going to die in Colorado, because that state is nothing but snow. I'm pretty sure Colorado is where snow goes to mate and make more fucking snow. What's Texas? What's Texas? Good God. Your parents must drink a lot. They do. I mean, yeah. What I'm trying to say is, in the 1940s and 50s, couples were woefully unprepared. I guess. Still, it's not an excuse to bust into someone's house, you know, because you you can't think ahead. Well, uh, oh, right. Uh, well, their car takes a shit. Cars I, can't. Yeah, cars it can. stops working. There. You happy? Look, it it stops working, stops moving, strands them on a snowy Texas highway. They leave their car, right? and venture out into a desolate, snow-swathed death trap called Texas. They stomp their way to a house whose owners are clearly not home. Then they break in, steal food, and start a fire. Well, I mean, something like that. In the end, it, in, you know, in the end, in a roundabout way, you know, God punishes them for their misdeeds. I guess. Yeah. Uh, he leaves them nothing but pork and beans to steal from the house. That's their Christmas dinner. Yeah, you was right. And he gives the uh, wife cancer. She later dies. What? Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. It happens. So the lesson here, kids, don't break into a house, set a fire, and steal pork and beans. Or God will give you cancer. That's not right. It's right there in the print. It's printed in the book. Print doesn't lie. Okay, print can lie. It can, but it is a true story. So far as can be verified by the what reason would they have to lie about something like that verification process. Alright. It's a sad story, lady. Yeah, I know. Lady. Look, maybe it was a poor choice to start with that story. How about a story about a puppy? I like puppies. Yeah. They are nice. Look, great. Look, this is a story told by J. Edgar Hoover. You guys know who J. Edgar he ran the FBI for forty some odd years. It's not, it's not important. It's, when he was a kid, a friend of the family left a puppy at young J. Edgar Hoover's house. I mean, he, J. Edgar, he was a little standoffish at first, promising himself he wouldn't get attached to the, uh, the thing, the puppy, you know. Because the family friend said that they would come back and get the puppy at any time. That wouldn't be good. Well, I mean... Well, it's not his dog. It, yeah, right, exactly. It's not, it wasn't his... Okay, look, so Christmas comes around and a letter arrives from the family friend telling J. Edgar and his family that because they took such good care of him, they could keep the dog. That's really sweet. Why didn't they just give him, why didn't they just give him the dog at first? Well, yeah, 
they didn't let him because because J. Edgar was sad. All right, they they didn't want him uh, to get his hopes up. I guess. Why was he sad? His old dog had just died. <laughs> Sorry, it happens a lot in this book. Actually, it's it's it can be once you notice it, it's a little disturbing. That's stupid. Christmas isn't for dying. Well, that's no, it's that's neither here nor. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of dying in Christmas stories in there in the book, and it's really it's kind of odd. I mean, I mean the Grinch doesn't die, even though he probably deserves it after being such a prick, and he does have the heart problem. I mean that alone. But I mean, in all those Christmas movies, there's no dying, is there? Not that I remember. I mean, even Clarence brings Jimmy Stewart back, and it's a Wonderful Life. Who's, who's Jimmy? What's I'm on to something here, I think. Why is there so much death in Ed Sullivan's book? You think he likes death? That would be that'd be freaky, right? I guess. It was, that was rhetorical. What's, what's rhetorical? Why is there an element of death? That's weird. You know, it's weird. Jesus would know. Yeah, baby, Jesus would really know. Why, why would Jesus know? It's Christmas and God's son, and he knows stuff. Yeah, he's a baby. You know, I think you're getting drunk, kid. But even though, I mean, you're kind of making sense in a really bizarre way. Maybe I should ask Jesus. You know, I think I think you have something here, kid. Thanks a lot. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, welcome. Hmm. So anyway, I mean, that got me thinking about how I could contact Jesus and ask him about the death thread that, that was running through most of these stories. It was right there, and I never saw it. Maybe he could suss out all this. Maybe he can make it all make sense. Give me a, give me an episode out of it. You know. It, Are you still talking to us? Uh, no, I'm. I don't get it. No, I'm talking to the listener. Oh, shit, I don't, I don't need you anymore. I don't need you kids anymore. I mean, now, now I think I'm gonna go find Jesus and, and, and do that episode. Put that in. Make an episode about talking to Jesus about Ed Sullivan's book. I mean, thanks for the idea. Seriously, I. But I think I, I'm. I'm just gonna move on. Wait, you, you don't. You don't need us. No. Well, no. What? I have to find. Ah. Uh, no. What? No, don't. No, don't, don't. No, don't get all teary. Look, it, this probably isn't forever. All right. I might, I'm. I'm probably gonna need kids again down the road. I, I mean. As long as I'm not dead, I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna need kids again. All right, I'm pretty sure this. I, oh, come on, hey, listen, I'm sure I'm going to need you back again, real soon. Okay, I just know it. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm notorious for running out of ideas and recycling material, kid. I mean. You just have to be patient, if anything. Huh? Look, no problem, man. Alright? You polish off that eggnog and you two stumble home, alright? Okay. Alright. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Huh? Thanks, so now the challenge of how to contact Jesus, because I hear that's kind of a hard fucking thing to do. I mean, people have been trying to do it for thousands of years or whatever to get a one-on-one. You know, I'm not sure how to really do that. Well, there's only one thing I can do, right? A little bit of Google. You know what I mean. Google. How to contact Jesus. 
I'll be right back. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to... Editing. So I tried to get Jesus. I really did. But apparently, getting a Messiah on the phone or anything else is... Yeah, the cell phone provider just wouldn't do it. They were unwilling. But I'll work on it. I'll figure something out. Plus, after thinking it, uh, you know, thinking it through a little, I didn't really see why I should involve Jesus anyway. I mean, it's a holiday celebrating his birthday, but I mean, I don't think he's responsible for all of death, right? So then I figured, why not talk to death directly? Instead of Jesus, I managed to track down a method to summon the angel of death. The the challenge of how to bring a, a, a deity, angel thing, it wasn't an easy task. But because we live in such enlightened times, it didn't take as long as I thought to find a method to call upon the angel of death. Thank you, Internet. Come here, you fucking... Chicken, chicken, chicken. Fucking chickens. Damn it, I only need one of you. Oh. oh. Damn it. You just, just, no, don't run. Don't run. No. Hello there. Oh, hey, how are you? Great so far. <laughs> you? I was okay uh, until a pale-faced asshole showed up and fucked up my chicken hunt. Do you mind? Oh. Oh, me. Okay. Sorry. I'll get out of your, uh, way. Thanks, hippie. This reminds me of that scene in Rocky. When he's training with Burgess Meredith. He's yelling at him. Can you... Can you fuck off, please? Hey, hey, okay, okay. Sorry to bother you, you know. Though, can I ask you why you're scrambling around here for chickens? A chicken. And if it'll make you fuck off quicker, fine. I need a chicken to use as a blood sacrifice to summon the angel of death. Oh. What, why would you need to, uh... You know, oh, God, so I can ask him about a book called Christmas with Ed Sullivan. All right? Well, sure, I guess. That seems reasonable. Though, I think I understand why the chickens are running away. Do you? Do you? Do you? Fuck off, gothic hipster, so I can grab a goddamn chicken and get this over with. Come here, you fucking chickens. I don't, I don't think the curse is out. Damn it. Fucking fuck, are you still here? Well, what's the question? What? What? About the book. Are you Azrael, the angel of death? I am. Oh, for fuck's sake. Look, either help me get this chicken or take off, man. You're not helping. You asked, I answered, I'm Azriel. You're Azriel. Again, I am. Just fuck off, will you? Why? Your quest for murdering of a chicken will get you the same result. The result of my presence, which, if you haven't noticed, is already attained. So get on with it. What's your question? Why don't you leave so I can get a chicken to sacrifice to me, Azriel, you horrendous prick? That's not an Ed Sullivan question. Jesus Christ. I think you'd need a priest to talk to him. Uh. Oh, right. That's the expert of use. That's always a tricky one. I can see by your face that you're not remotely satisfied with my insistence. Oh. 
<laughs> but I am who I say I am. Oh. I am the angel of death. Huh? <sighs> this is going to take a magic show, isn't it? It always does. Ah, what the fuck now? <laughs> yeah, I know, crazy, right? This is the Outworld Realm. That's fantastic. Really? That's the reaction. This is... It's... It's the realm where Mortal Kombat takes place. It's where it's all carried out. All the fights and such. You know, the video game Mortal Kombat. Yes! Lots of dying in that game. It's gory. Why am I hallucinating? If I've accidentally tripped acid again... Jesus... This is gonna... What? Accident? This is gonna go on for Taking us both to a realm only found in a video game. And you think it's a drug-induced hallucination? Yeah. An acid trip. By accident. Yet again. What the hell did it happen this time? Oh, that coffee. But no, I don't... Oh, right. I had a gas station burrito before. That guy behind the counter. Shifty motherfucker. Clearly, I've already shot the landing here. Here. How about this? Eh? Eh? What do you think? I think my trips are getting boring now. I used to see talking dogs and founding fathers. Now, just regular... This is an Irish pub. Bean bars are nice. There's one of those a town over from me. We're actually in Ireland. I'm hallucinating all of Ireland now. Oh, you've... You've got to be kidding me. Sit down and have a drink. We'll talk about the book, eh? You know what? Fuck it. I can set out this trip and work out what to tell the angel of death while I wait, I guess. I mean, plus, I just finished reading a book, so, you know, maybe celebrate a little. Why not? You know? All right, close enough. Two pints, please. So, Elton, what's the question? What's with all the death in Ed Sullivan's Christmas book? A lot of death in it, I take it. I mean, it's not a massacre, but almost every story he chose to put in it has someone dying or death in some way. Explain. Shouldn't you know all about this death? <laughs> Humor me, okay? The Walter Cronkite story. What about it? Well, his story starts out that he's traveling through a snowy Europe because there's always snow. He's mourning the death of General MacArthur when he takes a turn, I mean, too fast, and he wrecks his jeep. He stumbles over to a farmhouse with a barn that looks like uh, it's been through hell. It's all wrecked. Part of the house looks like it's in shambles. So, you know, he needs help, and he knocks on the door, and a nice couple's there, and they invite him in. Uh-huh. They give him something to eat and drink, and the whole time, right, they can't shake a weird feeling. Right. That is until all three of them remember being in this house in the same place... Earlier in the war, when a bomb took out their barn and part of their house, setting it on fire. Right. And blowing apart their horse. Yeesh. Yeah. Huh? I mean, there's two deaths right there in the same story. Yeah, well, I get it. You ever think that, you know, maybe you're missing the real message in all of it? Oh, no, I get it. A lot of it has that be thankful, season of love, and giving vibe. But the inclusion of death is, you know, it's a curious little addition that, like, I can't shake, you know? Well, I can see that. Well, maybe it's just you, eh? What? Yeah, you seem kind of fixated on the death bits more than anything else, it seems. 
Perhaps it's you that has a, uh, a thing with death. Maybe a fear of it, which is normal. It's, it's just a natural process, then. Uh, it really shouldn't be feared, really. Still, maybe it needs to be addressed personally, you know. That's tough talk from someone whose job it is to take lives. I don't take anything. I just tidy up afterwards. Don't get me started. Oh, starting to believe me, are we? I'm just playing along. You know, I didn't write the book, though. I mean, I have a healthy fear of death, sure. Healthy? Why do you always say you're about to have a heart attack? Sure, but I'm... You say this daily. Yeah, and I do nothing to avoid it, too, so, I mean... Well, that's not healthy. On multiple levels. I accept that. I accept that. But I'm not peppering books that are supposed to be about cheery, snow-heaped subjects, am I? You're making a podcast about it. You're splitting hairs. Am I? He's talking about the same thing you're talking about. What's splitting? Mine is curiosity. His is an oddly recurring, weird undercurrent. It's like an embedded theme in happy family tales. There's one with a zombie bus driver. I mean, it's like a weird death fetish. Come again? There's a story in the book about an old bus driver driving kids to perform a school play. He's, uh, you know, the bus driver's attached to them because he drives them around all the time. And he's never had kids on, of his own. So, I mean, there's a cute little exchange in it with a little blonde girl who doesn't understand the nativity scene thing. It's nice. I mean, it's it's sweet. Anyway, he drops them off and he stays to watch their play. And uh, he's the driver taking them back afterwards, you know. So while watching, he remembers all the generations of kids before. And he tears up a little. And then he makes his way back to the bus before the play ends. Then he sits and waits and he closes his eyes a little to rest, you know, because he's old. And eventually the kids pile on and he takes them all back home and parks the bus downtown. And then the little blonde girl from before at the very beginning about the nativity scene, she bounces into a shop. She tells people inside, hey, man, I think there's something wrong with the bus driver. Turns out he's been dead the whole time. Hey, I know how that is. What, being dead? Oh, right, right. Now, speaking of that, why, why no Sith? Scythe, you know. Or is it a sickle? I can never remember which is which. Sickle has a short handle. Scythe is the long one. Carrying it around can be a bit unwieldy, especially on the subways and the underground. Besides, all it does is terrify people. Makes the job that much harder than running away screaming. That's a bit macabre. It's a macabre job. Besides, keeping a scythe in good repair isn't what it used to be. Reaping equipment has gone out of favor since the Industrial Revolution. Another casualty of progress, huh? Tell me about it, robes, too. It's a shame. I like robes. Too monotone. Yeah, but lots of robe and you can get away without wearing pants. Very convenient. Not a lot of people understand that these days. What I wouldn't give for a good day to swing free. We're digressing now. Back to your problem. Your problem with the bus driver's story is that he dies. Yeah, a dead bus driver seems a little too much on Christmas, don't you think? Sounds like a man so deeply emotionally connected to the kids' lives he spent his life keeping safe, you know? They just couldn't let him down. Not even in, in his own untimely passing. Sweet is what it is. He drove the bus while dead. I can't think of anything more unsafe and terrifying than a dead man driving a bus. Oh, goodness. You know, 
Perhaps you should be talking to someone else about all this. Well, you have that Benjamin Franklin box. Why don't you use that to contact the man himself? Benjamin Franklin? I probably could. I mean, if he's not baked off his ass, I guess. No, Ed Sullivan. Couldn't you set that up? A Q&A with a damn man. I'm more about ferrying him off this mortal coil, not setting up Q&A sessions, I'm afraid. I have more pressing things to deal with. Like an earthquake? Oh, and I'm a cobra, he says. Rhode Island Youth Soccer League officiating. <laughs> are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah. The finals are tomorrow. Secretly hoping it rains. What? I think a nice talk with Ed Sullivan would help. Give it a shot. Yeah, maybe you're right. It'll all work out. But until then, we get shit-faced. So, a long night of drinking later, and I find myself on a bench in Rhode Island. So, you're leaving me in Rhode Island? Why, why are you leaving me in Rhode Island? I told you, finals are tomorrow. Why does no one listen to me? So you're leaving me. So you're leaving me on a park bench. In Rhode Island. What you have against Rhode Island? It's a great state. Nothing, except I don't live here. Why not? That could soon change, my friend. It's beautiful. Enjoy. Oh, and you have court in the morning. Court? You got a little crazy at a drive-through last night. I tried to stop you, but no one ever listens to me. Court? Yeah, no, Biggie. A little minor nudity. Nude minors? No, no minors. Like, child. Wait, you know, no, I, I hear it now. Yeah. No, you were nude in a minor way. Huh? What? What? Just lay down. Everything will look better in the light of a new day. Wait, you got a car? Can't you teleport? Yeah. But I have to keep up appearances, you know. Can't just be popping up here and there. How would that work out if I'm calling little Johnny Nolan out on sucking and everyone's trampling themselves to get out of the park on account of I'm appearing suddenly next to a kid on a base? You have to put a little thought into these things. Is that a Mazda Miata? Fast enough to get me there, yet small enough to deny someone a ride. I'll see you later, Elton. What does that mean? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I mean, socially, not professionally. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no. Go easy on the fries, eh? <clears throat> right. Will we'll do. Needless to say, my court date didn't go over that well. I was late and in the wrong state. Still, beside the legal complications, drinking with death led me in a direction that I probably have had issues with for some time. A death complex that I sort of already knew I had, just didn't feel I was projecting in any way. Was I projecting? Maybe the death and dying I noticed wasn't that big of a deal. In my personal piccadillo, which by the way, is a fun-ass word to say. Everyone should use Piccadillo far more often.
Still, Death was right. I probably should have considered a conversation with Ed Sullivan way at the beginning, but no one could accuse me of being the sharpest tool in the shed or someone who would drop a euphemism and a Smash Mouth lyric at the same time in a podcast. But there it is. So, I whipped out the Ben Franklin box to time travel talk to a dead TV show host. I mean, even though I've never actually used it myself, luckily, Benjamin Franklin uh, glued instructions to the top lid. Uh, Number one, it says, uh, the lid must remain closed while cranking. All right. Two, when uh, full illumination is reached, tis time to inquire. Three is, oh, three is underlined. Uh, Mind the lid when communication is severed. Huh. Oh. Okay. Huh. Okay. Oh. Oh, neat. It lights up. Uh, uh, first a white light. Now a golden yellow. Faster. Faster. Fast. Now, now it's just glowing. <laughs> and how those colonial guys did straight up shit their pants. And they saw this. Oh. Oh, it's, it's glowing steady. Uh, why did Ed Sullivan laces? Christmas book with death. Hi, this is Ed. Hi, Ed. This is Jim Johansson. Uh, down in development. Uh, I was hoping to talk to you about an idea to develop your book, uh, Christmas with Ed Sullivan, into a possible show. J- uh, and there's just a few wrinkles to be ironed out. It's it's just in the preliminary uh, start phase. Oh, right. Right. Um, I, ha- I had a lot of fun putting that one together. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear uh, how a program would be made from uh, Well, we're not, we're not that far. In, well, well, we're not that far into it quite yet, but we'll keep you apprised of how it's going. Uh, if I may, I'd like to say it's an honor to be speaking with you. Oh. Thank you. That, and that, that. I'd just like to add how much I really like the book. It, it's a fantastic bunch of stories. They're in, they're interesting and, and very heartwarming. Uh, the one about Irving Berlin and uh, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, it's one of my favorites. In Irving it. and White. White Christmas. Uh, it's a story uh, written by J.P. Uh, McEvoy. You'll have to remind me. Oh, sure. He talks about Irving Berlin being uh, tan all the time and how he always met up with him and places like California and Florida and Honolulu, which is not anywhere near a white Christmas. It's It was pretty evident he wasn't keen on white Christmases because he always spent them in warm places. And on top of that, the logic, the dealer in the story used. The logic? Uh, yeah. When, when, he, when he said the warmer Christmases with palm trees were more accurate than white Christmases. Sure, I suppose. You know, because Jesus was born in the Middle East, where snow is completely foreign. Just made a lot of sense. You were saying you uh, you had questions. Oh, right. I, sorry, I got carried away. Uh, I, I just have a few questions, uh, and then I'll let you get back to being Ed Sullivan. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Shoot. Why is death so prevalent in the stories used in the book? I'm sorry? Yeah, the, the specter of death seems to rear its head in almost every story in the book. I'm just trying to figure out why. That was very colorful. Uh, I'm afraid I didn't notice an overabundance of death in it. No? Uh, I mean, it's in there quite a bit. Can you give me an example? Sure. Yeah, the, the bit about the wounded soldier in Halloran Hospital on Staten Island. The, By the way, the, the, the wounded GIs using each other to applaud because they each lost an arm. 
where they buddied up to clap. You know, one guy using his right while the other guy used his left. I teared up. You know, but um, the example I, I wanted to talk about was the other guy, the guy in the bed, um, who you took people to meet. Him? Yes, the youngster who didn't stir had been badly injured. Uh, he was pretty low in spirit. He really wanted to meet Jack Benny and really lit up when I brought him over. His name was uh, Arthur Ford. Uh, told him we'd be around again in a couple of weeks, and he and he said maybe I won't be here. I tell you, I gave him what for, and that I would hear no such thing, and that he'd better be there. <clears throat> I remember calling every day to find out uh, how he was, and each day they said uh, he was a little better. After two weeks, um, I took another show out there, and each star stopped by his bed to talk to him, and he seemed to get a great lift out of it. Yeah, then he died the next day. Yes. Yes, he did. Just tragic. Should I not have included that? Well, no, it, it's that someone dying or something dying or just referring to death in some ways. A lot of the stories. I, I believe I see what you're getting at. Now listen, um, the many people that contributed stories might have included or alluded to, to death in their entries. Not to be morbid or cast a pall of moroseness. Um, they're speaking from a background that's more comfortable with the idea of dying and unknowingly allow it to color their anecdotes and storytelling. You see, these uh, people of a certain age have gone through many events that have brought death into their lives. The First uh, World War, uh, the Great Depression, and of course the Second World War have all visited death uh, on millions of people, possibly many times over within their lifetimes. So they've heard grandparents talk of it, uh, loved ones affected by it, attended to loss in the present, all of which has probably lent an ease when uh, weaving it into tales that they tell. I don't think it goes much beyond that. It's something we've all had to deal with our whole life, as I'm sure you know. Actually, I'm not too familiar with uh, you sound young enough. I'm sure you've lost a few friends or loved ones along the way. Possibly even possibly even lost someone in the war. No, I'm not uh, f from... I mean, the, the war really... I was... was I'm not... I was too young. Um, I, wa I wasn't born... Uh, you were born? I, I, think I, I think I have all I need, Mr. Sullivan. I, I appreciate your time. Thank, thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Uh, will do. So there you have it. I grew up in bitch times. Where death is spoken about in hushed tones. Fucking A, man. Youth is prized and death is a big scary thing that no one wants to talk about. Let alone mention long enough to establish it as, as it actually is. You know, a, a normal occurrence in everyone's life. We never had a we never had our Great Depression. I mean, there was a Great Recession, but it wasn't the same thing. Or a Great War. To splay death out and lay it bare for us. And, uh, you uh, you're kind Holy of shit! Oi! Relax, I. Oh, my God, you scared the fucking shit out of me. I get that a lot. You see why I have a car now? I just wanted to pop in and see how you were getting along. I did all right, I guess. Turns out it's mostly me and a generational thing. Kind of mixed together. Yeah, I knew that. You couldn't just tell me that? 
You needed an episode, didn't you? Besides, what's the fun in that? Where's it written, Azrael the Angel of Death can't be playful, eh? I guess that's true. All those folks dying from shit like trying to swallow the most skittles and safety pins and... I don't kill anything. I'll just show up after. Amateur hammer juggling? Yeah, the stuff you're talking about, that's the angel of stupidity. Oh, right, right. He's got that all covered. He makes people do stupid things? No, no, he he suggests that the stupid things people want to do will turn out all right. That's bizarre, man. Yeah, you know, he's not swift. He's not a swift one himself. Plus, I mean, uh, everything can't be serious, you know, even death. I would know, right? I guess so. Merry Christmas, and uh, happy holidays, mate. I'll see you around. The same to you, sir. I hope I don't see you uh, too soon. I'll try and uh, keep it a surprise, eh? Thanks, I appreciate that. You know, uh, speaking of stupid things, uh, how many safety pins can you swallow, eh? You're fucked up. Is it still one? It's still one, isn't it? (sighs) Yeah, it was one. Nailed it. (laughs) Hey, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. If you didn't make it this far, I still thank you. If you liked what you heard, then let me know on Instagram at Elton Reads a Book a Week, Facebook at Elton Reads Too Much, oh, and Twitter at Elton Reads a Lot. Now, if you really, really liked what you heard, you can contribute to the podcast on patreon.com slash Elton Reads a Book a Week. There you'll find extra stuff and the old episodes that won't fit on SoundCloud anymore. Why? Because I'm just a poor schlub podcasting on the cheap and I can't afford the premium account because... Fuck me, that's why. Regardless, I thank you again for listening. And I really, really want you to read more. So, read a book, huh? Don't let them die out, okay? Thank you. <laughs>